This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash be here now. on Ramdas's Be Here Now Network. I'm your host, Melanie Moser, and today we are continuing on our Shakti Sacred Music series, conversations with musicians about sacred music and the feminine voice. My guest today is Brian Chase, drummer of the Ya Ya Ya's and recent founder of his own Chicken Records, home to his Drums and Drones project, which we speak about in this episode. Brian and I met at the Troubadour in Los Angeles in 2004 at the beginning of the Ya Ya Ya's journey and were in and around each other's lives for many years after that. Super excited to share this talk with you today and to turn you on to the music that you're hearing behind me now and that we're going to listen to by Pauline Oliveros. What you're hearing now is Rattlesnake Mountain, and the piece we listen to is Horse Sings from Cloud. Again, this piece is over 22 minutes long, so please do go to shaktisacredmusic.com to listen to the full thing and enjoy it there. Here we just listen to a snippet of it, and as well as two brief clips from Brian's own work in Drums and Drones. I hope that you are enjoying this series very much. Please remember to subscribe to the Shakti Hour on iTunes and leave us a rating and review. You can also join us on patreon.com slash Shakti Hour and subscribe to listen in to the full unedited chats from the sacred music series with all of those guests we got into some really deep and cool conversations up to a couple of hours and so we edited them down for you here for your listening experience so go to patreon.com shakti hour to get a listen to the unedited conversations and please follow us on Twitter at Shakti Hour, and again at the BeHereNowNetwork.com on the Shakti Hour page, you'll find links to all of the information about Shakti Hour and Brian's music and record label, Chicken Records. Thanks so much for listening. Let's maybe just start by listening to something by her, and then we can go from there. 
Okay. Um, the track I have queued up is Horse Sings from Cloud from her album Accordion and Voice. Okay. Um, uh, okay, yeah. And it's a 22-minute it's a track, so we can listen to as much or as little as we, <laughs> uh, we feel is good. So we can well, just get each it, episode get is and, about 40 yeah. minutes, so we can sit for 20 and talk for 20 if you okay. want. <laughs> it's a beautiful piece and you know, worthy of the full listen for sure. And it's based off of a uh, series of, of long tones that are held for uh, not too long, but you know, relatively long amount of time. And I believe that Pauline describes it as each tone is held until there's no more desire to change the note. You know, each note is held until there's, you know, uh, no more incl- inclination to move uh, from that note. And then once that subsides, then the, the next note occurs. So I think that kind of describes the pacing of the track. effective yeah definitely (laughs) it's like um it's like really really effective totally yeah but it's also shockingly kind of secular like i'm Uh feeling it being not um from the yoga studio Uh uh-huh right yeah yeah. But she's using the but she's using Aum. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you know her um spiritual path or her, her like background in relationship to that or just to that syllable? Um I, I can't yeah, speak on that yeah, yeah. for certain. Yeah. But I, I think she kind of she connects to the uh, organic quality of those syllables and just the uh, you know, the, sim- the simple nature of, of Om and its resonance in the body and, mm. uh, and beyond. Mm. Uh, I mean, I guess if you investigate sound to any degree, you're bound to come across like the vibration of mantras yeah. as a place to explore that. Yeah. What has always struck me about Pauline is uh, is her simplicity and straightforwardness. Um, I think she's very much informed by spiritual traditions, and then at the same time, I've always known her to be 
um, be someone that puts an emphasis on accessibility and practicality uh, and always keeping her music within reach of uh, uh, of ordinariness <laughs> mm. you know whereas to not extend you know her spiritual practices to the point of being uh, uh, esoteric or daunting yeah. Um, I love her, I love her lectures for that reason. You know what I see online. She's a great speaker and and is one of the few people that has a knack for putting incredibly complicated concepts in very uh, simple terms. Hmm. And I feel like that's always uh, important to her. You know, is is that feeling of you know, her music, which has deep spiritual uh, significance. Hmm. Um, you know, by making it very relatable mm. and not something far off or mm. too distant. Mm. You know, that is just like a matter of breathing and, uh, and a matter of like a, an attitude. <laughs> mm. So when I, when I hear this piece of music, I relate to its, uh, its simplicity and how it, uh, and it does establish, you know, an immediate sense of calm and centeredness. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, it was like, so it was striking how, you know, because chanting Om. Uh-huh. We'll do that for you yeah. in that amount of time or less. But I, it's striking to me when I listen to it how much it had that effect coming out of this tiny little speaker yeah, yeah, to have yeah. that effect on me in that short amount of time <laughs> yeah. from yeah. someone else's voice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think she believes it, you know, and it's the real thing, you know, and I think she's able to convey that sincerity you know through her music through like a little speaker and and she's coming from that place and it can instantly snap anybody you know snap a listener out of uh you know kind of like you know normal mode you know into to like you know being aware of the you know deeper states i guess yeah i think she uh for me that piece it, it feels very sophic to me like she's really encouraging tell us what sophic means okay <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it's one of the three uh, gunas, <laughs> you know, and um, and the others are, uh, you know, you know, rajas, which is um, activity, and tamas, which is uh, stasis, mm-hmm. you know, inactivity, and uh, and sattva, which is somewhere in between, you know. But it's often, you know, characterized as uh, you know, wisdom and um, you know, purity, and like just, uh, uh, yeah, that's. You know, that stillness that leads, you know, to um, uh, a pure uh, yeah, place. Yeah, a pure place. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, a pure place. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah, calmness and stillness. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I like forced you into giving a teaching on the gunas. Sorry. Uh-huh. No, that's no, all right. Yeah, no. no I, <laughs> you I, did a great I, job. Uh, I did, the, okay, yep. The sattvic, yeah. sattvic is, she's definitely has a sattvic thing. Yeah. Which is no joke. Yeah, which is totally no joke. And she yeah. really wants people to connect to that. You know, like if, you know, if somebody's feeling, you know, like edgy and amped up, you know, then sattvic is a counter to that, you know, in a way, you know, that the same way it's a count, that sattva is a counter to Thomas, where if somebody's feeling, you know, uh, you know, very sedentary and, you know, lack of motivation to be engaged, you know, then sattva is a counter to that as well. And it's mm-hmm. a very pure place that is often, you know, you know, kind of like beyond thinking or beyond desire and it's like about you know sitting with oneself and finding that sense of calm and and purity right 
I went. I was in India several years ago, and we were at this one um, tomb, Janeshwar's tomb in Alandi, India. And we had been reading um, his translation of the Bhagavad Gita. I was obsessed. Uh huh. And um, the the story goes with Janeshwar that he he in he translated the Vedas and the scriptures for the common people. Uh-huh. He would walk around and he took them out of the hands of the Brahmin and da 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 da. Uh-huh. So he has, there's this really beautiful, poetic, long translation of the Gita that he did. Anyway, he did this all like when he was like a preteen. And then when he was like 14, he was like, okay, I'm done teaching. And he went and entombed himself, hmm. live entombed himself okay. <laughs> in this tomb <laughs> wow. in Alundi. So this is how the story goes. So then there's this Mirti, there's this place, uh-huh. this temple where his, he's li- he live entombed himself you know, a thousand years ago. Whoa. It has a crazy energy. Uh-huh. Okay. And, and it's ecstatic and it's intensive and you get, you get like a minute. There's like a long queue. Yeah. And you get to like come in and there's this woman with the, she like pushes you in and you get to do this quick little darshan bow and then you have uh-huh. to go out the other side. And the room uh-huh. is like, whatever, seven by seven with like a five by five statue thingy in it. Yeah. Statue thingy is the official <laughs> word. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, I just remember the first, we, we did that several times and I remember coming out and then there's like a hall where you can sit or do whatever afterwards. I co- coming out and sitting after that and sitting in meditation and I remember feeling like that could kill, like that energy could kill me. Like uh-huh. it was so potent. I could just feel it. Yeah. Now I didn't feel any, like she wanted to, kill me uh-huh. <laughs> but, but like like an ego death uh-huh. like sh- that really makes you sit the f down uh-huh. and go like it's not non-confrontational per se it's not an invitation yeah maybe it's just our perception even uh-huh. <laughs> that that's like a saccharine or that's a sweet meditative thing that she's doing offering us that when really she's kind of like <laughs> you know yeah definitely yeah yeah uh well like with pauline yeah yeah, yeah i um with, with om in particular you know, you know my understanding of it is that you know in the chanting of om you know, there's also the important uh associations that come along with it you know to associate you know om with uh divinity and its different aspects you know and that's an important part of the of om as a as a meditation you know, which can be a little different than how it functions with, you know, with sound and, and music. Um, right. But, uh, but ultimately, it would lead to the same place. Right. Actually, I'm, I'm curious about that. Uh-huh. Does it actually lead to the same place with the, with the intention? Like, could you, can it actually lead to the same place regardless of the intention? Um, that's a great question. I don't uh, know that there's I, I, an answer I, to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's something yeah, that I'm curious great, about yeah, because yeah. I feel like yeah. it's something that's like part of kind of part of what this is like exploring, you know, yeah. is sound. That's a great question. Is sacred yeah. music sacred? Is, is sacred music sacred because of the intention behind it that's sacred? Or is this sacred because, you know, because it's, it has ohm in it? Or is it just sacred because, you know, any creative act is. <laughs> is a sacred act. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. 
Yeah, you know, like, I mean, we were just talking about Judith, uh, Judith Berkson, and, yeah. you know, you know, hearing her you know, lead the singing part of the, the High Holiday Services was unbelievable, and her singing in that sense is imbued with, you know, the spirit of, um, you know, of the High Holidays and, and everything that comes with it, so that's definitely, you know, leading, you know, the congregation, you know, towards the highest places, and, um, right. you know, so, you know, and now if we're talking about, you know, music in general, you know, like, let's, we can use, like, Coltrane for example, who is a you know, musician that is very spiritually minded, you know, and his music, I think, was leading towards, you know, a similar place, you know. So now the idea is that if the listener can hear, you know, the beautiful singing in a high holiday service, you know, you know, reach that divine place, you know, just as much as a listener hearing Coltrane, you know, that, that's, a great, that's a great question. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I want to I answer don't. it, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I think, you know, but it's not, it's definitely... Um, I, I mean, I'll have to say yes as a musician uh, and, and, and an optimist, you know, that a musician's intention is often to, you know, provide some, some sense of expansive, expansive consciousness and uh, any glimpse of that is, uh, you know, is, is beautiful and not to be you know, taken for granted in, in any way. Like, especially with, with yeah, yes. Um, it ultimately leads towards like a like an like an ecstatic kind of euphoric feeling that that we're really trying to share with everybody that's present, right? Yeah, you know, and we want like everybody to kind of like tap into that, and everybody that's like at our shows is like their moment to be at our shows, and you know to kind of get out of you know you know the ups and downs in life, you know to really feel you know reaffirmed in every possible way, mm. and I you know even though that might not be spiritual so to speak i think there is a lot of spirituality that's uh, embedded uh, within that um you know also at the same time there is you know specifically spiritual or you know sacred mu music and music that is designed to have that sense of inwardness um you know like pauline's music you mm -hmm. know for sure and then yeah the my drums and drones project is designed to uh yeah facilitate uh, inwardness um and uh, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I guess I'm just this part of kind of I think part of the reason I'm really investigating this a little bit because I feel like there's been such an explosion of spirituality, uh -huh. right? So there's like all the spiritual music and sound bath and yada yada everywhere. But then there's also just like the stones, uh -huh. right? Yeah. And for me, you know that that's something that can take me somewhere. Yeah. But this took me in, uh -huh. or this Pauline piece took me in instantly into my own being. Uh -huh. Whereas I don't, I don't know, like what a like a Coltrane piece if that takes me into my own being, or if that like I feel like that connects me with the universal oneness uh -huh. potential. <laughs> yeah. But maybe not. It maybe it it doesn't take me in, and I don't know if right. one of those is more sacred than the other. Oh, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's different forms of uh, <laughs> of, of the experience. You know, it's uh, yeah, and especially yeah, your meditative qualities are are very distinct. Yeah. There was a moment when I was making more of a decided shift to uh, emphasize you know, more meditative music, and a lot of that came from my my growing Ashtanga yoga practice. And, you know, so I was feeling more comfortable with finding these, you know, deeper layers of myself, you know, that are always already there. And it's, you know, um, 
but just kind of you know developing a firsthand experience of it. It's what led me to define uh, uh, the sound of meditation and what that meant for me. Let's hear um, uh, maybe something um, inward focused from the D&D catalog. Okay. know your intention is this this meditative listening and I know that's something that you know Pauline talked about a lot too so can you tell us about like what that means to you like meditative listening like what that means coming into a piece like this Uh, I approach this music kind of like a sculpture you know in the sense that like if you take like a big marble block and within that you kind of see the sculpture inside you can kind of chisel away all the all the excess and reveal the the sculpture that's underneath from within this um, block and then I kind of do the same thing with the sound of a drum so uh, so all I'm not really adding tones like one would think of you know with like normal music you know I'm actually starting with a totality of tones and then from with there from from that point you know kind of you know, whittling it down to the piece that I create. Great. Yeah. So that helps explain that. That, <laughs> yeah. helps, that helps connect the in the, the idea of meditative and, and different layers falling away yeah. and how spending time listening to something like that with the intention of the music being to draw you into that place or just to give you an opportunity to have right. a meditative listening experience. Totally. Um, I'd lean towards the opportunity. I think that's a great way to put it mm. for sure. Right. Yeah, definitely. You know, like, um, it's a, and, and there's a lot of, there's a wealth of material in the music itself, you know, that if one listens to it, one starts to hear a lot of subtleties that are happening, you know, that might not be apparent at first. Right. And like the way the tones combine and the relationship of all the tones right. to one another. And, uh, I think that kind of eventually leads towards the, uh, you know, more meditative experience. Is there somewhere in the two, Drums and drones and the yeah, yeah, yeahs, that's the same. That's the same? Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. Besides you. <laughs> right, right. Besides <laughs> yeah. so you yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that question has come up before, and, and the way I've answered it for myself is in this idea of sensuality. Um, but it's sensuality expressed through, you know, through, through different ways. And in drums and drones, it's, it's sensuality through sonic vibrations. Whereas in yeah, yeahs, it's, it's sensuality through... the emotion and feeling of the music uh yeah drums and drums doesn't have much feeling (laughs) other than being very uh you know sattvic (laughs) in a way although not exclusively uh but there's a sensuality in the tones and the the physicality of it Hmm. uh and that's a uh a connecting point 
Yeah, that's really interesting, the senses. So I was on a private retreat with Ramdas a couple years ago, but he did ask me at one point, you know, about my practice, and I was naming off all these different things. And he said to me, those are your senses. Uh-huh. Where do you get wisdom? Right. And that was like, that's kind of the way he teaches or that our guru also teaches is these like tiny little question koan type things that then you just like sit with for a while. Yeah. And it's been like a really interesting thing for me to sit with, especially because I agree with you. Like I, uh-huh. I feel what you're saying, the way you're describing it with the senses and the different kind of way that the sense sensualness comes through. Yeah. And so then this kind of brings me back to this whole sacred idea, you know, like if it's just based in the senses, just from this one teaching I had from my teacher, which was, those are your senses, where do you get wisdom? Uh You know, one thing I learned from meditation is that there's a, uh, an appreciation for the layers of everything of like layers existing simultaneously. Yeah. You know, that there's, you know, surface layers and then you have many levels of inward layers. Right. And the senses are important because uh, there has to be an, an entryway <laughs> somewhere, mm. you know, but, they're, but they're not a stopping point. You know, we, you know, we see and observe and, you know, make judgments, you know, in different ways, you know, but then it's also, you know, we can, put all of our observations in relation to like a larger framework, you know, an eternal framework, mm. you know, like how does this sit in relation to the, the divine, you know, something without a beginning or an end or, you know, it has, it exists and it just exists regardless of anything, you know? So. Right. The wisdom <laughs> is there <laughs> yeah. regardless if you're accessing it or not. Uh-huh. So where are you going to get it? Yeah. And the senses is one way to come into that. And listening is one of these great ways to do that. Yeah. And then at a Yeah, Yeah, Yeah show, it's not only listening, but it's uh-huh. this whole energy totally. of, yeah. the, of the group. Yeah, definitely. Of the transmission. Yeah. So, and, but there's also a transmission that's coming through this work that you've done as well and what we listened to from Pauline. So, uh-huh. so okay. So what else do you do... Um, for, uh, for like a, any kind of spiritual practice or meditative practice? Yeah, for spiritual practice, um, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, yeah, an, observ- an observant Jew. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think even that com- means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And, and there's a whole, like a whole wide range of, you know, significance to that. You know, there's like, you know, ultra-Orthodox Judaism and, yeah. you know, super-liberal ju- Judaism and everything in between. And, and even within that, people have you know, different parts of Judaism that is practiced. You know, some people go to shul, some people don't, some people read Torah, some, you know, you know, uh, so, and, and I've learned that with yoga, you know, like when people ask me to talk about yoga, because I have a regular Ashtanga yoga practice, you know, but a lot of people don't talk about, don't, don't practice Ashtanga, you know, so, so even using the word yoga is, is misleading, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like, because there's so many, everybody has his or own experience, uh, experience with it, you know, so it, it means, totally different things to different people and i've and i and and it's the same thing with judaism for me you know it's like i'm an observant jew but at the same time that's not a lot of information (laughs) even though it is you know at the same you know so and i have my experience with it in the way i 
practice it. So that's sort of like a very large like dis- like disclaimer or preface to, <laughs> yeah, to this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, but you know what? You're not really alone. And I uh-huh. think that that's kind of part of why I've been wanting to draw this in draw in and draw in culture into this conversation a little bit more Uh because, um, you know, just, I feel like there's, I feel like, um, I want that more Uh and I have some idea of 1970 where that seemed to be more integrated. Right. Uh Where, um, like Ginsburg was, you know, chanting the Hare Krishna on, you know, what's that guy's, that conservative talk show guy? What's his name? Anyway, but I'm just saying, like, here's a, po- he's a poet. Yeah. Who found, like, doing this thing, you know, like, these things were in- interwoven in a way that I, f- I am craving, I feel yeah. like. And I, f- and, um, but I do think that there's something about what you're saying uh-huh. where everybody's like, yeah, but I, I do this, but I, but this means all these different things. Yeah. And so that's part of what's so valuable. I feel like of talking about meditative listening because yeah. it's in, it, it encompasses so much. Yeah. Definitely. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and it gives everybody like, you like the word opportunity gives everybody the opportunity yeah. to come step into something. Yeah. What do you think is a way uh, meditative listening could be understood in a more common way or like something for everybody in a more like hmm. either popular culture way or just more widespread way? Well, I see this is the thing is uh-huh. that I think that you have to have an idea of what meditation is because uh-huh. otherwise I think it's contemplative. Yeah. Listening. Right. Totally. Which is different. That's true. Right? Yeah. So, um, or it's manipulative. I mean, you could even say that that Pauline piece uh-huh. is manipulative in a way. Because it, yeah. f- I mean, I'm sure <laughs> that she decided, I'm sure that there's a lot of intelligence behind it and that the tones are, cho- I mean, as is your work, like uh-huh. the, everything is designed to create a certain effect, yeah. knowing what the vibration does, knowing what the, the note does what the tone does how long the tempo you know knowing the science of music you know of sound you can actually create an effect in a person right yeah so um so i don't know do you Uh know what i'm saying like that's i don't know i don't know how to i think that just the term is cool maybe yeah Yeah, do you see a way that could be integrated in well i don't know i think i think i think um I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't. I think it has to come from the top down. And when I mean that, I mean from (laughs) culture into the people. Yeah, totally. So it needs to like, um, lead itself into people's lives, you know? Yeah. Through what they're consuming. Yeah, totally. Not through a teaching per se. Right. The teaching is for those that are looking for it. They're reaching out for that. Yeah. But the opportunity needs to like somehow get them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. It feels like it's not even really much of an option in, <laughs> in today's culture. Yeah. You know, this idea of, um, yeah, mental health and well-being, you know, based on, uh, yeah, cultivating, you know, mindfulness or, you know, or stillness and, 
you know, an expansive consciousness. Or, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, already like those terms are too much, you know, in a way. It's like it has to be uh, uh, sugar-coated or a little bit, you know. It's like like those qualities have to be embedded in in terms and in messages that uh, that are slightly, you know, less daunting. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. You know, possibly. Yeah. You know, I get to spend all this time with all these people in the Ramdas um, Sangha that are, you know, that were there. They're they're there. They were there. Uh-huh. You know, yep. <laughs> this ha- this is them. They were, you know, one of twenty five people that landed in in India and brought all this stuff back and did all this stuff. So, um, so I think it's hard to tell on the ground. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it could take a very unexpected form. <laughs> it could take a really unexpected form. That's right. I do think it's all intertwined, you know, in in somebody's life, you know, like um, yeah, in 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 lifestyle and relationships and how you know, in decisions people make, you know, if somebody has a sense of um, yeah, of living a deeper life, then it's already you know, it's already kind of there. You know, and then the arts are something specific, you know, like I've also like learned that too, you know, like music, like art is a language in itself and music is very much a language. It's the language of sound and that, you know, the music we're dealing with here is, you know, some ways on like the marginal side of it, you know, because it's, it's, it is kind of sophisticated. The, the thing with language, an important thing is familiarity, you know, so uh, if somebody only listens to, you know, like you know, like pop music or, you know, you know, like pretty like common music, then, uh, you know, music that's of the avant-garde is going to sound very strange. And, uh, you know, even though there might be like a willingness to connect with the intention behind an avant-garde piece of music, it's still like the language to to process it isn't necessarily there, you know? So, and I, and I think that's, that's the importance of, um, of, of good pop music in a way, you know, it's like, you know, like, you know, to communicate, you know, good values, you know, and, you know, through, uh, you know, through, through song and song is there, you know, to communicate that. And again, to tie it all in together is, you know, the sense of, um, you know, more like meaningful living, you know, that, um, you know, people are looking for, you know, greater substance, you know, in relationships, you know, and, uh, you know, and in life in, in general. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So the idea that art is a language unto itself, uh-huh. and then there's like Sanskrit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> then there's like a yeah. whole language of yoga, and then there's Bhakti yeah. yoga and yeah. Jnana yoga, and totally. All yep. you know, all these different things, and so the yeah. the cultural impact of that is kind of limited by your. Exposure to a certain language, like completely, basically. Yeah, I think you work with almost equal uh-huh. women and men uh-huh. in your collaborations in music. Right. Do you find the experience of collaborating, or the way that 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 the male and female energies move through the creation of music is in your experience? Um. Um, you know, my, my dream mentor, I credit is Suzy Ibarra yeah. and she's unbelievable. Like yeah. she just like blew me away. Uh, and you know, has, 
you know, somebody I describe as like, you know, my favorite living drummer. Yeah. <laughs> and she's unbelievable. And she's been an incredible mentor to me. And I, you know, you wouldn't be uh, any, anywhere without her. Um, and she happens to be a woman. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I can't really, a little reluctant to go further than that. You know, in, in some ways, you know, I can describe aspects of, of how she's been a mentor to me, you know, but, um, you know, it's, I, I don't know how fair it would be to necessarily pinpoint it, you know, her, her teachings to, uh, to uh, womanness. Um, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but, but, um, I, 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 let's see, well, let's see, there, there is one thing that stands out as an experience that changed me, which again, is hard to necessarily pinpoint, but it's something that kind of like, you know, informed me, you know, like, uh, it was pretty early on in, well, not too, not too early. It was after Yeah Yeah's had been touring extensively. And we, we were getting our first taste of uh, what it means to be a touring band and how hard that is, like the lifestyle of living on the road and playing night after night. And uh, and it really didn't jive with Karen, you know, just like the the lifestyle and, and keeping up with that pace, you know, because we're a band that kind of gives 100%, you know, in our shows, you know, and, uh, you know, it starts to, you know, that in itself takes up a lot of energy and then to like not really sleep and then drive for a while and then do it again the next night and, you know, not have proper self-care, you know, it just kind of leads to um, yeah. <laughs> um, feeling like you're falling apart. <laughs> uh, so, so we were, as a band, we were kind of having a, a, a hard time figuring out how, you know, we were going to handle our touring schedule. And kind of almost at the same time, I was touring with another band, this band, The, the Seconds, <laughs> which was, uh, you know, a punk band I had at the time. And, and the, uh, the bass player you know, was a woman and we, we had just done like, you know, uh, you know, like a, a round of shows in Europe, you know, of like pretty hard and, and, and you know, and uh, it was, it was okay, you know. So, you know, so in my head, I, I was uh, applying, you know, my, my experience with that, you know, to, uh, you know, my experience with, uh, you know, with Yayas and Karen and, and that just did not fly, you know, like I just did not, you know, understand what it meant from, for somebody else's perspective to have a hard time uh, with touring, you know, and, you know, I didn't understand, you know, the, from Karen's perspectives, the, uh, the pressure she was you know, was feeling as a, as a front person. And, uh, we kind of, we kind of came to, uh, yeah, to, to, to clash a little bit, you know, in that regard. But basically I was very, um, you know, like ignorant and not understanding, you know, of, you know, you know of what her experience was, you know, like she was having, you know, and, and touring is a very extreme, you know, mm -hmm. lifestyle. You know, but too often, you know, with bands, you know, there is this mentality of like, well, we have to play every night. So Karen really set boundaries, mm. uh, you know, for the band that I think were ultimately in our best interest. Mm. <laughs> and then she's also kind of had this great sense of um, of flow to the yeah, yeah, yeah cycle. You know, it's like mm. after we tour, we take a break, you know, take some time to decompress and then like have, have our own lives and then go back into the studio and then record and mm. like, but it was all spaced out accordingly. And mm in a very intuitive way, hmm. you know, that often went against, lo against logic, 
you know whereas like the idea would be like all right finish tour let's like we have to bang out another album like keep it going we don't want to lose fan interest right. you know we just want to keep the momentum <laughs> you know but she's like no you know it's like we're going to take our time and when we feel the moment is right we're going to move on to the next step you know so uh and i think because of that you know we're here today and we've been able to really grow as a band and make albums that are different you know that really reflect a sense of, of growth and and change mm. And I think a, a lot of it is is because of of Karen and her feeling like you know tapped into this you know into this in, intuition and and sense of well being that kind of goes against you know a very like what one could say like you know kind of like male dominated kind of like logic you know um, you know uh, and um, and I've learned to you know appreciate it and and embrace you know that you know, that quality, you know, in, you know, in many ways. Yeah. That different, ex- thank you for that story. The, the different, um, experience of the creative cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and the fruits of it have been so many. Yeah. Cause now there's this decade of, of drums and drones Yeah. on top of decades, uh-huh. almost decades of yeah, yeah, yeah's almost dec- wait, yeah. 10, not decades. Almost um, decades. Yeah, almost decades. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Almost, almost plural. And in that, that's like a, a really beautiful, a really beautiful thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, that, that was like one of, you know, that was an, in, that one, that was an early lesson. Yeah. Uh, but, um, well, I think this is yeah. great. I think we got a lot out of this. Thank you so oh, totally. much, Brian. Yeah, yeah. I really, yeah. really appreciate it. Totally. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Melanie. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. 
Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now.